You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Whether we call it the reign of God or God's just future or simply a world that's safe and compassionate and a just home for everyone, working for it is the work that I believe Jesus' followers are to be about. Anything less is a betrayal of the ancient story. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 380. Our title this week is Ticket to Heaven or Concrete Earthly Liberation. And our reading this week is again from the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark 6, 30 through 34, and Mark 6, 53 through 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began began teaching them many things. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went, into villages and towns or countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. So this passage, it takes place in Mark's narrative after John the Baptist's arrest and execution, and it transports us all the way back to the words the Gospel of Mark began with. In Mark 1, 14-15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the reign of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. So, in chapter 6, the author of Mark, he takes that, or they take that uh, first passage and enlarge it so that readers can understand what Jesus' gospel looked like in practice. And in short, Jesus is characterized as a a miracle-working folk healer announcing liberation for those who are oppressed, whether they're oppressed by sickness or a sick system of injustice. Ched Myers reminds us that even the stories of individual healings were symbolic action of, of systemic confrontation. In his book, Binding the Strong Man, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus, uh, Myers, I think, correctly states, the acts of Jesus, the divine power, they lay not in manipulation of nature, but in confrontation with the dominant order of oppression and in witness to different possibilities. That's page 146. So the itinerant liberator image of Jesus that we encounter in Mark, it raises a question of contrast between many preachers today and the Jesus that they claim to be worshiping. As I've often said in the past, the God 
Gospels don't show Jesus going from place to place trying to get people to say a special sinner's prayer so they can have the assurance of going to some post-mortem heaven when they die. Not at all. What we see instead is a Jesus who announces that the reign of heaven has come to earth here and now. And it manifests not in, in future afterlife assurance, but in concrete material liberation from that which diminishes and oppresses human thriving in our lives today, right now on earth. This is the picture we get from each of the Synoptic Gospels. In Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the reign of God and healing every disease and sickness among the people. In Matthew 10, 7 through 8. As you go, proclaim this message the reign of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. In Luke 4 43, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the reign of God to other towns also, because this is why I was sent. In Luke 10 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them the reign of God has come near to you. In Luke 9 verse 6, it says, So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news. And remember, that's the good news of, of the reign of God, what Myers calls different possibilities, and healing people everywhere. So, the section of Mark we read this week, it includes uh, the stories of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish and having 12 basketfuls left over there in the in the ellipses. That's the, 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 the middle portion of the two bookends that are our, our reading this week. And, and, and the feeding of the 5,000 even, the story, that story, it draws our attention to Jesus's concern for people's concrete material needs. And many scholars, they also believe that this story's main point is to point to an earthly form of, of even a, a, a form of Eucharist among early Jesus followers, a shared meal, a shared resource of, of bread and fish that was later subsumed by, by what today's Eucharist is of, of bread and wine, but it was about community and sharing and taking care of each other's needs, making sure everyone had enough today, right now. And regardless the scene that we find in, in all of these readings is not about heaven or later. It's about what people are experiencing here on earth right now. It speaks to the earthly liberation-centered gospel that was taught by Jesus, not the heaven-centered gospel about Jesus that, that many within Christianity teach today. And there is a difference between those two gospels, and, and these differences, I think, are well worth our time to explore and to understand further. A great resource that'll help contrast those two is uh, the uh, James M. Robinson's book, The Gospel of Jesus, The Search for the Original Good News, especially the first two pages, pages one and two, he draws that contrast. But two statements that have kept me centered in Jesus's gospel of making a difference here on earth, rather than a gospel about Jesus that's focused primarily on giving, getting to heaven, come from the late Reverend Dr. James H. Cohn in his classic work, God of the Oppressed. 
chest. On page 57, he wrote, For theologians to speak of this God, they too must become interested in politics and economics, recognizing that there is no truth about Yahweh unless it is the truth of freedom, as that event is revealed in the oppressed people's struggle for justice in this world. In page 75, there can be no Christian theology that is not social and political. If theology is to speak about the God of Jesus, who is revealed in the struggle of the oppressed for freedom, then theology must also be political, speaking for the God of the poor and the oppressed. So, for Cohn, following Jesus was political, not in the partisan sense, not partisan politics, but in the sense that politics is about how power and property are distributed among the people. When we define politics like that, Jesus' teachings were deeply political and all about a, a social peace that comes from justly distributing what humans need in their daily lives to thrive. This was God's will as taught by Jesus' gospel, humanity's collective uh, thriving. And in this focus, Jesus is standing squarely in his own Hebrew prophetic tradition. In Micah 4, verse 4, everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken it. That's a piece that comes from a distributive justice. What might all of this mean for us today with our post-enlightenment now? naturalistic, material worldview uh, to follow Jesus and proclaim the reign of God and to heal the sick. Well, as we consider our own social context, there's much sickness that we as Jesus followers that we can address. I'm not talking about that which modern medicine addresses, although that's not exempt from any of this. Uh, it's not an either-or, but but specifically what I'm referring to is is uh, with so many U.S. churches today ha- having recently hosted July 4th celebrations uh, in Christian nationalism, we can address the sickness of Christian nationalism. What about the sickness of white supremacy and its offspring of American exceptionalism that's so rampant among so many Christian churches today? Uh, What about the sickness of racism and sexism and misogyny and classism and cisgender heterosexism? Uh, What about the sickness of ableism? Even if we hold a worldview where healing the sick or, or casting out demons that may no longer resonate with some of you who are listening, um, that's okay. We can still focus on the substance. We can focus the the substance of our work on whether or not that substance looks like the Jesus of the story or, or uh, of concrete earthly liberation, that, that focus of the story that heals, that works for healing sickness in the, uh, even social sickness in the here and now, or like a 2,000-year-old religion about Jesus that has evolved in his name with a focus that is something, well, too often very different. Uh, whether we call it the reign of God or God's just future or, or simply a world that's safe and compassionate and a just home for everyone, working for it is the work that I believe Jesus' followers are to be about. Anything less is a betrayal of the ancient stories. And our, our work, it may have a different focus. We may be focused more on heaven than on earth. Uh, it may have a different focus than we see the, the, the Jesus focus, that Jesus' focus was in the stories. And that work, our work, 
though it's different, it still may be considered Christian by certain sectors within Christianity. Nonetheless, the contradiction between our stories and the Jesus story remains. Can the themes of our work be found in Jesus's work that we read about in the stories? Are there similarities? Is, is that Jesus passionate about the same things that we're passionate about? In my own journey, I've had to come to terms with the reality that the Christian elements that I was most passionate about uh, were elements that the Jesus story or the Jesus of the story never spoke about. And the things that the, the Jesus of the story was passionate about, and it's hard to admit, but at that time, those were things that I really didn't care about. It's not easy to admit all that. And, and making corrections and aligning my story, the work of aligning my story with the Jesus story, that hasn't always been easy work either. And that work, it's still ongoing for me today. But even with the hard times, I can look back and say that that journey so far has been worth it. And that the journey is worth it is is my prayer for you too. I pray that as we allow our stories to look more like the Jesus story and as we work together on making our world here and now a better place, that we will look back one day, even at the hard times, and say it was a journey worth taking. Heart Group application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, uh, what does a focus on concrete earthly liberation mean to you? And share that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.